I mentioned to you in passing, well, we need to make sure that Deacon Dominic doesn't forget mm-hmm. his Dalmatic. And you kind of looked at me and kind of... Pardon? Pardon? <laughs> I didn't know he brought his dog to school. When did he get a Dalmatian? <laughs> Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint of our favorite beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair, and listen in for the next little while. As we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Dennis, buddy, how are you doing this evening? Good, Robert. It's been a couple of weeks since we had Deacon Pedro. I can't remember the last time the two of us were on, though. I guess a couple of weeks before that, or was it? It's been about a month because we're we're doing about these things okay. bi-weekly. So every every bi-weekly. other week, uh, right. and we'll do a guest and then we'll do us. So I guess it's been about a month since it was just the, the two of us. Can't remember. Can't re- but, can remember Deacon Pedro. Enjoyed that. That was a great, uh, we had a great guest there. He was very good. I a little absolutely... bit longer than usual, but you 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 added a little bit here, took it a little bit there, worked out, didn't it, Robert? It did. I absolutely loved it, and I loved the opportunity to go back and listen to the podcast. I mean, I, I enjoy listening, re-listening to the podcast each and every time when I go through and edit and try to make us sound halfway intelligent. Uh, but Deacon, your Deacon Pedro's, yeah, well, for myself, anyways. Yeah, but uh, Deacon Pedro's, I I really really enjoyed, and especially as he was. Uh, retelling the stories from the papal visit this past yeah. summer, I found that to be very, very moving and very worthwhile to listen to, to the point where I've gone back again and again, just to listen to that portion, actually, just because I'm getting so much out of it each and every time. With his uh, firsthand knowledge. And of course, his his voice sounds great. I mean, he's, he does a lot of podcasts as well. So he he knows the job well, and you didn't. You did take out a lot of the diaconate, but we are going to get him back in the spring, hopefully, to talk more about that. Correct? Oh, for sure. And when I was dropping off the hat to him, and we were talking about that, he's excited to come back. I'm really excited with the prospect of bringing him back. But we've got so many great guests lined up between here and there as well, because as you know, uh, I like to organize things yeah. uh, a few years in advance. So we'll I have Deacon you- Pedro back in a decade or so. I heard you have our 2025 guests all lined up, but you know what? Some of these deacons and priests are going to run into each other at a retreat or something, and they're all going to be wearing our hat. And then our, then our ratings are really going to take off. God willing, God willing. So, but no, it was, it was fantastic. I look forward to to having him back on. And like you said, such a great voice. Uh, I think on that particular episode, you could tell who was the professional and who were the amateurs. Absolutely. And you know what? I could just, I was just listening to him talk about like you say the papal trip but just anything he spoke about he just spoke about it with such knowledge and and how he got started in media which was fascinating just going into a little coffee shop you know around where he worked at the covenant house there and meeting father rosica yeah, and very, that just interesting that just goes to show the amazing way that god works right? absolutely and how we have to be open to the way god is working in our lives because it's not always going to be something where the Lord is shouting or hitting us over the head. It's right, usually right. in those you know, little subtle moments where mm-hmm. the Lord speaks to us and he lets us know his desires for us. He puts those desires on our hearts like Deacon Pedro was talking about. And yeah, those moments in the bagel shop where you look up and either one of them, Deacon Pedro or Father Rizika, could have just blown that moment off. Yeah, could have right? walked away. 
or or it's just like the same with you Robert. like a couple of years ago when we started this i mean you could have just blown it off or whatever but you had that persistence you know what you wanted to do just like you know deacon pedro and you said okay why don't we give this a try and we are coming up onto our third season in a couple of months thanks and I, to God. I was gonna say how many times did you try to blow it off there i know but that's, if you had uh, kept me on the straight and narrow but that's just one of those things that I'm always just floored by the way that the, the Lord works in our lives. But you do yes, need please. to be open to to seeing right. that and to listening. Uh, right. You really have to be. And that's in been tune a common theme the to Robert with with a lot of the guests that we've had. They've said they've said exactly the same thing that you just you've just mentioned. But being open, never thinking that they were going to do what they were going to do, but being open to you know god in their lives and it's it's worked out really well for for all of them oh for sure because i don't know how many times i've had the conversation with god and i've said lord no you don't get it this is what i want to happen Mm -hmm. and he'll point me in a direction i'll be like lord no you're not listening to me you don't get it this is the way things are supposed to pan out and again he points me in a certain direction and you know sometimes it's take some two or three tries there's been times where it's taken the lord a hundred times to get through my thick skull uh, but once you acquiesce to the lord's desire for you the amount of peace and joy that comes to your heart is insurmountable it's unfathomable you just can't put a, a quantity on it and it's just something though it's like a muscle you have to work at it and you have to train yourself to be able to listen to the Lord. But once you start listening, uh, the world becomes such a more joy-filled place to be in. It's not always well easy. Over. It's not yeah. always easy. I'm not going to say it's easy. Right. I'm not going to say it's all sunshine and lollipops. Right. But the well put, joy well that, that's there. And thinking yeah. of joy... Sir, I think I've rambled long enough that I'm starting yep. to get thirsty. How about yourself? Yep, what have you I'm got? Boring. What what have you got for you today? For for us today? For yourself? I'm, I'm drinking something your, different. Well, what is All Hallows Eve is just around the corner, so I picked up a little pumpkin pie ale, not pumpkin spice ale, pumpkin pie ale. How's that going to taste, Robert? Let's let's find out. You no, you, you can find out. I'm I'm not all that oh, interested. Nice you like the color though. The color looks good. The, yeah. the the foam looks a little bit orange there at the top, which I yeah. guess one would expect from you know a pumpkin pie or pumpkin, pumpkin. spice. Obviously, I'm not going to taste to you. You give us the grace before beer. Yeah, and let's find out what that is. What's that like? What do you got there tonight, sir? What do I? I have uh, a baby beer. Mm. So the last time the two of us were on i remember i don't know if you remember i brought an actual imperial pint which was did. was it six, 570, six, six 573 600 was i it, thought it was six and change now i can't off the, no i don't think it was that much no i think it was between 560 and 580 or something i believe that, that could be i mean i can't remember what i had for breakfast never mind the size of the beer i had a month right. ago so now we all, have all remember like a half pint so it yeah it is kind of a half pint it's the unica original it's a craft beer out of spain out of uh, near barcelona that's a weird uh, looking bottle but it is, is that, in a bottle it's in the, the, the regular no it's brown brown okay. glass uh okay, so it's okay. your typical brown glass bottle uh 5.2 percent uh 
I, I got sucked into an online ad and went to the, the local bottle shop over to the beer store and picked that up. And just for our listeners, very odd design on the la- that looks like a wine label that doesn't look like a beer label in fact does it no it doesn't it doesn't look like your typical no. north american Not, beer label yeah I, north american I, beer i point. would say closer to um uh, that european artistic feel so like you say uh, yeah. a wine label so out, out of spain uh, it is only because it's a bottle 330 milliliters or for those that want to talk in european measurements it's 33 centiliters uh right and the bottle too so this is going to be hopefully I the bottle opener I can get works. There we go. old school. I got flashbacks of about 30 years ago opening up beer bottles. Well, that's 35 what, before the twist offs came in. Before that, so yeah, you got that nice, little, nice little crack. Yeah, yeah so, nice little sound. I, I have had one of these before. Right, we'll give so it a, 30, a nice 330 four. mil is smaller than our regular cans, small cans. It's about the same size as the Corona. The Stellar Artois and the Heineken, those all come in 330 bottles. There yeah, you. like I said, the the old school bottles was always three, 330. The perfect fit for that glass, though, Robert. Yeah, well, I did that on purpose. It's so a, a nice uh, golden color there. Yeah, with, beautiful. Uh, the, the white foam at the top. It didn't explode on me like the one last uh, last episode with oh, Deacon yeah, Pedro yeah, yeah. where Next I ended up with foam time. all over the place. Yes. But yeah, I'm looking forward to getting getting started on this okay i'm just gonna before we do grace before beer i always have to take our uh, quick little picture here to put out on the the social medias need to spin the glass so we don't see the stella label on the glass and there we go take a picture take a picture of your pumpkin okay hold on let me get the camera up here hold that still there we go okay there get out of the picture there we go oh yeah i think it's six percent oh it's a little strong oh well i'll try it all right. So okay, grace before the Father and Son, Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Bless O Lord this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant through the invocation of thy holy name that whoever shall drink it may gain health in body and peace in soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Amen. Father, and Father, the Son, and the Son, Holy, and Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, Robert. Yours is from Spain. Mine is from about... Around, around the corner. Ten minutes from where we work. Oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah. You can taste the pumpkin spice in there. Pumpkin pie. Maybe I should have had a slice of pumpkin pie with my pumpkin pie ale. I don't see. You want a little bit of whipped cream on the top of that beer mm. there, sir? Oh, that'd be nice. Oh, that's good. Uh, uh, they always uh, make a good beer, Brock Street. They do. I've always enjoyed the they Brock do. Street beers that uh, well, you like graciously your, purchased for me from there. Yeah, you're, it's like your um, Red Flame. Yeah, yeah, up here, the Old Flame. All, up here in the Port Old Ferry. Flame, all, they've got about three or four really good beers, right? I find yeah. these local craft breweries are so darn good. Yeah, I just don't like it when they start playing with the beer flavor. Like you say, the pumpkin pie ale. Yeah, you'll give I it don't... to me uh, around Halloween, but you don't want to make it common. Yeah, yeah. you're right. So yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about the notion of smells and bells. Talking about pumpkin spice, pumpkin pie, and the, the smell of bacon. I want to talk about uh, that great Catholic expression of smells and bells, and that that's what the masses is, is made up of. And actually, in some ways, I think we've kind of lost, at least in some parishes, we've kind of lost the notion of smells and bells. We've lost 
the senses, the sensory part of mm -hmm. our mass liturgy. Uh, incense is very much a, a special occasion kind of thing, as opposed to an every Sunday affair. Yeah. Um, incense we don't get much anymore do we we used to get it a lot in fact there was a church down where i went to university and it was an anglican church and they used to call it its nickname was smells and bells saint timothy's i think was the name of it so there you go but you're right robert we don't get much of that do we get a couple of times a year i guess the most probably like again the, the very high feast days christmas right. and easter especially easter for a lot sure. of people do you think if a lot of people complain after the incense and at a lot of masses when it was happening, you know, recently about the smell and their allergies and stuff? Do you think that I've know, actually I've actually heard someone complain about that? It was after I believe it was the Easter Vigil Mass. It was it was at right. Easter time. I'm pretty sure it was after the Easter Vigil Mass, and right. I had been reading. So right. after mass, I'm back in the sacristy uh, with Father. And the right. altar servers, and this guy just blew into the sacristy. Right? How dare you? How do you, dare you use incense like that? Don't you know that there's people here in the congregation with perfume allergies? And I get that people have allergies, and I get that people are sensitive to the sense. And I also get that some priests like to overload the thurible. Right. Mm -hmm. When I was an altar server and I was the thurifer, so the, the guy with the, the thurible, before I even put the charcoals in, I always put a couple scoops of incense in the bottom of the thurible. So that way, when we put the, the charcoals in, it was already smoking before I even brought it out and father put any of the incense in. As uh, I was the big thurible, into the whole. You, you've mentioned it before, but what did you say that the, the person carrying the thurible was called? The, the thurifer. I did not know there was a name for that. There you go. Did you never hear the 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 Beach Boys song? No. Let's go thurifin now. Everyone's learning how. No, I you've never that. heard the Let's Go Thurifin song. I'd sing it for you, but then you know we'd we'd end up losing listeners. Oh You're lucky that wasn't one of my words tonight and stumped the chump. Yeah, well, don't hey, don't not... let that cat out of the bag just yet. No, okay, we're, okay. We've, we've got a new yeah. segment. So, well, it's funny you mention that because I know at our noon mass, which I, I usually go to the first mass in the morning, but the noon mass, I think Father did bring it in with some Latin prayers, but he announced it beforehand. So for maybe for those type of parishioners you're talking about, Robert, that do have allergies, then they would obviously skip that mass. But yeah, oh, you can't 100%. throw out everything. I mean, people show up. I mean, people come to mass with all sorts of perfumes on. I'd rather smell the incense any day than some of those strong perfumes or colognes yeah. well think, thinking of your pumpkin spice you know you'd rather <laughs> smell the incense than the old spice right and the old so, spice yeah your oh, favorite cologne there, i forgot there, about that yeah. Yeah, oh, no. mine was the, the mine was ago. the brute 33 but that's <laughs> uh, mine was dracar black bottle yeah uh now you're throwing me 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 all off but uh i have seen as well in parishes especially during the weeks right. leading up to holy week where it is listed in the bulletin you know incense will be used at this mass right right fair warning a warning and then you mentioned as well like okay there you have a choice if you're going to come maybe don't sit <laughs> that close right no, that, Maybe you exactly. sit back. I, I remember my very first experience with incense uh, i would have been about nine years old and that was about the time where my parents decided maybe we should start going to church right, right? so that was kind of one of my first experiences 
in the Catholic Church and was the Easter Mass. Now, number one, a nine-year-old's first experience with the Catholic Church should not be the Easter Vigil, which is, what, three hours long? Like, come on, Mom and Dad, what, what, what are you thinking? Right? You're, you're not gonna get... Back next Sunday. Wow, that's that's a tough slog for a youngin. And then I remember as the... You know they're going by with the incense as the thurifers going by and the, the smoke is wafting and I'm choking and I'm waving my arms mm. and uh I mean my parents I think did have us seated right up at the front because they did want to keep my sister and I engaged into what was going on and seeing everything that's going on but I don't know how father kept a straight face from the show. My sister and I would have been putting on choking on the incense. And, and you know what I found people complaining about, I always found the incense dissipated quite quickly. Like unless you're right near the front, like you're really at the back, you never even really smelt much of it. I don't know. I, I never, I always thought they didn't put much on. Like it was always kept to a minimum in terms of the real strong. Did you hang around that, long enough for the incense to come out or were you already like halfway to your car in the parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't Bolton. Really, it was only the certain priest. Couple times, maybe we skipped that yeah, a little bit. No, when the mass goes an hour and fifteen on a regular Sunday, you, you got too much talking there. Too many. We don't need to talk about the whole bulletin before mass ends. If there is a bulletin, there's no need to make all those announcements. That to me, oh, is complete and total agreement. Mm-hmm. It's when you please take a seated for the announcements, and the first announcement is, is please take home a copy of the bulletin, and then. They proceed to read the Go bulletin the to you, bulletin. and it's like, in some ways, though, on the other hand, maybe they should just do away with the bulletin, because I, how often do you read it? Okay, well, now we get, the bulletins are still put at the back. I don't take one anymore, because, as you it's know, on, Father Chris s- gives an online one, so I leave them for maybe some of the older parishioners who maybe don't have access to it, but you're absolutely right, like, but the you know, you get the, it's exactly, remember, you get the priest maybe going through the bulletin. And then sometimes at the beginning with certain priests, this is in the past, not now, you got like a mini homily right after the collect, you know, or or even before the mass starts, you're getting, you know, they're, you're being told about the mass. So all these little things add up. I mean, don't interfere oh, with the again, mass, right? Oh, for sure. And I think that's for a different episode as far as that and not interfering with the mass. Good point, good point. Uh, it, it is in the, the general instruction of the Roman Missal. Mm-hmm. They're allowed a couple lines right at the beginning to kind of I, introduce the mass. That is I there. Did, I did not know that. Okay. But so it's they can... when they start throwing in the other, like you say, the other mini homilies. Right. Right at the beginning, you get like a minute, like after the sign of the cross mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the introductory greeting right you know you can we, we gather today and the readings are going to be about this or okay that. okay and then you lead into the penitential act but right. really two three five sentences at the most i did not know that Very not, not a not a half okay. hour homily no no of course, not which five, some will do yeah sometimes it's been three to five minutes you know and i'm thinking okay we could probably cut that off but i, I did not know there was allowance for a couple of sentences so that's good to know yeah, but then again, like you say too, the regular homily, as Father Chris said too, like eight to twelve minutes, not a not a twenty minute affair, right? And then there will be some that will, after communion, do another homily. Some some things move Ooh, them during communion, right. and they're they're going to say something else. And, and then, then at the end, of, we talked, we spoke about this earlier on at the end of mass in the beginning. You know, four or five verses, you know, 
in the recessional when really the music like you had mentioned earlier on robert in a previous broadcast is there to accompany the priest and the mass not to be the soul we don't need five or six verses if the priest has already departed from the church right we don't need the fourth and fifth and sixth verse no, because at it's that point it becomes choir. a concert exactly right right i mean the music is great and that is part of the notion of smells Absol- and bells absolutely like, engaging ourselves liturgically through all five senses and so the music is a big part of that the music and is such a big big part of mass isn't it and, yeah. and that's why it's so hyper important mm-hmm. that the music is chosen wisely and i was listening to another podcast the other day on my way into work uh, clerically speaking uh and I want to say Father Harrison, who is out in the Diocese of Victoria, British Columbia, mm-hmm. and Father Anthony, who is out of, I believe, the Pittsburgh Diocese. Mm-hmm. Uh, great little podcast uh, talking about different things of the faith. A lot yeah. of ways, it's a lot like our podcast, except they're both priests. One's working on his PhD, so way smarter than we are. Yeah. And they don't have a beer either, but they are a lot of fun to listen to. And we okay. should maybe look into maybe getting them on the show. One Absolutely. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, so Father Anthony and Father Harrison, if you are listening to the Pints and Pews, please reach out. We'd love to mm-hmm. have you here on the show. But they were talking about music and styles of music because someone had asked them a question about music. I think that the question was along the lines of heavy metal, satanic. And they talked about that, but they said that certain styles of music are set for certain reasons and for, for certain occasions. Mm-hmm. So no, and it's not to say that heavy medical, heavy medical, heavy metal music mm-hmm. in and of itself is satanic. They talked about, and they talk about way better than I will, but it doesn't have its place in the mass. No. And you know me, I'm, I like my processional, my recessional, my offertory, my communion. That's it. Maybe the responsorial song. If you've got a really good cancer, I'm all for that. I don't know. The Gloria, does it have to be sung? Can it be? It should prayed? be. I, it should, it should be. be. But have you seen how many different versions of the Gloria being sung now out there, Robert? Oh, no kidding. But there, there has there... to be five or six. And some of them aren't really that great. Let's well, be I honest. This comes back to the notion of what style of music is appropriate for the Mass. And again, that's a whole other. We could do a oh. whole hour talking about that. If you go back to Sacrosanctum Concilium, the Constitution yeah, on the liturgy from. Yep. From Vatican, so the Vatican, the very first Vatican II document, right, was on the liturgy, was on the Mass, right, and so Sacrosanctum Concilium, and it's which is the, the Constitution on the liturgy, okay, and it says that Gregorian chant, chant is the desired, is the preferred form of music for the Holy mm-hmm. Liturgy. And this just comes to the notion that certain styles of music were developed for certain reasons. They lend themselves to that to the mass, don't they? The, perfectly Absolutely. said. They lend themselves but, but Robert, to prayer. Then, but then, okay, which begs the question. Do, Why guitars? Have, well, <laughs> let's not get into <laughs> that. But do you then have to be classically trained? Are there not enough parishes that can hire and keep and and have those people in their parish to produce that beautiful gregorian chant music i don't know but gregorian chant is so simple that mm-hmm. and it's to be sung a cappella anyways right okay and it's so simple that uh, even you and i could pull it off as part of the congregation right and case in point very good example was this past sunday in my own parish okay the music 
minister, so the person who leads the 11 o'clock choir, four people, mm-hmm. uh, she was away on vacation. Another member of the choir was away on vacation. So there was two people in the choir, the cantor and my wife. Okay. And there was no music accompaniment. So everything was being sung a cappella. Mm-hmm. Most of the hymns that were chosen were very much the chant style. And for one of the, the very few times in the year, I actually joined in the singing, not just because I enjoy that style mm-hmm. at the liturgy, but mm-hmm. because I can actually sing that. It doesn't have the really high notes okay. where I'm not going to hit them, or if I do try to hit them, it's I'm going to sound horrible. Now, let me ask you, were you singing from a hymn book? Yes. Okay, good. Okay, so you have the words in front and, of you. And I had the words in front of me, singing from a hymn book. And in Latin? Again, no. English? Uh, okay. In English. Okay, good. And the way the music is put for the chant, it's very easy to follow along because you can see either the tonality is going up or the tonality is mm-hmm. going down. Okay. Right. Which well, leads me to believe that it's not that difficult to bring that into churches if we wanted to. Exactly. And you could do that then with the main parts of the Mass, with mm-hmm. the Gloria, with the Sanctus, with the Agnus Dei. And we've and heard again, that in parishes. And I, I re- there's a parish in Pickering, I, I think, St. Isaac Jokes, where I've been to Mass there a couple of times and I've heard some of the chant, that, that, that's correct? What they're, that's what they're using there. That's yeah, my understanding. Yeah. I've not been to Mass at yeah. that parish, but that's my understanding. And again, when you go back to the Vatican II documents, Sacrosanctum Concilium, Latin is supposed to be the language of the mass. Mm -hmm. And it even states in the document that it's the pastor's responsibility to ensure that the congregation has sufficient Latin to be able to make the responses. Hmm. Not that we see that almost anywhere. Let's just say that that's more the exception than the norm, even though it's the desired and preferred form. That's really interesting that you say that because I always thought, and maybe many people thought this way, that because the Latin was taken out of the mass and brought into the vernacular after Vatican II, that all Latin was removed, but not necessarily, that doesn't sound like that was the case at all, Robert. No, and it's just supposed to be for certain Mm -hmm. parts and certain moments. Uh, We had on, it was, well, you were off, you know, a little over a year ago. It was about a year ago. About a year ago, yeah. We had... uh, R. Jared Stout on, who had wrote written the beer option, and right. he's written a couple of really nice articles about why Latin matters. I remember him on the show. I listened to you and him on the show. That was yeah. a very good show. So again, he can articulate that w- way better than either you or I could. So I know we got another little thing that we're going to bring in. So maybe that would be something, you know, down the road we can bring in, you know, the Vatican II document, what it said, what's happening today, you know, 60 years later. This is what we see. That oh man, like that's else. that's a whole season's worth. That is uh, a whole season's, but just little things like that, Robert, which, which maybe some of our listeners didn't, and myself included, didn't know that that's kind of an interesting thing, right? So yeah. I think that. And be- for that, for yourself and for our listeners, I would point you to again some of our former guests, the liturgy guys who we had right. on uh, last December. And the year before, they actually did a weekly pox where they went through the general instruction of the Roman Missal with supporting documents like the Vatican II documents, Sacrosanctum Concilium. And they just went through step by step the Mass and what it is supposed to look like according to church directives. Right. So it's changed a little bit from what it's supposed to look like. I I could talk about this ad nauseum. And I 
bit of a, a liturgy geek that yeah, way. Yeah. And when I threw out the idea of smells and bells, I didn't realize we were going to go down, down that direction. Really in my mind, just the whole notion of, of highlighting smells and bells, whether it's mm-hmm. the incense, the ringing of the bells at mass, sacred artwork that we can see mm-hmm. the music. It's all about that notion of just becoming fully engaged body and soul in the mass and being transported uh, heavenward during the mass. And all those things, like I said before, lend itself to, to that. Don't they Robert? for sure. When you if think they're about done it properly, if you it's have done, done properly. properly. Uh, and again, some of it is personal interpretation or some of it is personal preference because mm-hmm. i get it not everyone's gonna like the the gregorian chant right uh, i mean for me liturgical well, guitar is like nails on the chalkboard yeah gregorian chant is absolutely beautiful you know a lot of people won't necessarily like the mass fully in latin but i think myself included would love to hear some gregorian chant within mass for sure yeah. I don't know if I want the mass fully in Latin. I've yeah. been to the Latin mass. I've been to the mass prayed to the Missal of 1962. Mm-hmm. And it does have its own singular beauty. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's a lot of time spent in silence and prayerful silence mm-hmm. uh, does lend itself to those who are a little bit more tuned to a, a prayerful connection with our yeah, Lord. For sure. For sure. But I think, I think for, our times today, yeah, there needs to find that balance where certain parts of the mass, yeah. which are there week in and week out. Again, I always come back to the Gloria, the Sanctus, the Agnus Dei, mm-hmm. even the Paternoster, right? Right, they are Father. Yes, in Latin, and once you start looking and reading the Latin and listening to it, you're actually going to realize you understand half those words, anyways, because mm-hmm. our English language comes from that. Okay, right? Yeah. No, um, I, I agree. I, I totally agree with you. There, the the, the, re- the readings and the psalm and the gospel and, and the, the homily. homily. Yeah. English. In, yeah, vernacular. No. Engl- for us, English, and, and yeah. French, the vernacular. And that's, what, and that's what they did. That's our 12 noon mass. Like the prayers that you, you mentioned, in a few of them in Latin. And then, you know, you obviously have the incense and then the rest in English. So you can you can get a good balance there for sure. Um, we could talk about that for a full show, Robert. We've got other we, things we to almost, talk about. We almost have. Uh, I, at well, this I want to quickly jump on to the, uh, the elections because we just had a municipal elections just recently. And you want to talk about something where you saw a sign and found that very interesting where that sign ended up. So yeah, I had meant that. to bring this up about a month uh, about a month ago the last time it was just the two of us I'd meant to bring it up and I hadn't written it into our show notes so I completely forgotten about it and we had recorded and we got into the next day and I went oh we didn't even talk about that uh, and I brought it to you about a month ago as we just had our municipal elections like you right. said earlier this week so mm-hmm. the campaigning's been going on for about a month month and a half yeah about uh, six weeks yep I don't know. I after the first couple of days of seeing the signs, <sighs> I get kind of numb to it. And it doesn't matter what level of election, whether it's mm-hmm. municipal and, and provincial, always federal. municipal. I don't know what it's like in the states, but certainly up here in Canada, municipal is always the least um, in, in terms of the voter turnout it has the least numbers. I think it was less than thirty percent, so not not a great turnout. Oh, but so yeah, you're seeing see, signs everywhere. You're probably seeing signs on church lawns, Robert. Wasn't exactly the quite. church lawn, <laughs> but it was the rectory lawn. Uh, and it just kind of, I had to do a double take. So on my commute into work 
every morning. Uh, I take a slight detour. It adds mm-hmm. a slight. De- it adds about thirty seconds to my drive. It's not really a huge detour. Not, yeah. But I do it because it takes me past a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. Right. It's actually my former parish. Okay. So it takes me past. I just like, and as I go drive by the the church. I make the sign of the cross, just acknowledging that I'm driving past where Christ is there in the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. And then once I pass the church on the other side of the road is the rectory. Right. And then I'll kind of look at that and I'll just say a quick prayer and, you know, may God bless father's vocation. That's all. Nice. And so about a month ago, I'm doing this. I drive by the church. I make the sign of the cross. I look over at the rectory, may God bless father's vocation. And there was two or three, election signs like candidate signs on the front lawn of the rectory and i just kind of went hmm i don't know i'm not so sure about that and I know we came in and we talked about about it yeah like, I, I, I get it i understand the priests are members of society the priests are resident within the community the priest is allowed to have their personal vote but i'm not sure if it's in the right place for them to be making their opinion known. Yeah. That could influence, unless it's, you know, maybe a family member or something that could influence a lot of votes. And now the difference between that, certainly this is a municipal election, again, different from provincial and federal here in Ontario, they run under a party banner. Municipal elections are just individual candidates without a party banner, but you would have to do a lot of back check on that particular candidate to make sure to make sure that everything's square within their Catholic faith, to put a sign up there is, is really putting it out there. And that could sway a lot of people. It could turn off some other people. It's, it's really, I, I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't think the archdiocese would allow it. I'm surprised that there wasn't something forwarded from the archdiocese. I know often. I, I'm church, wondering if something was said for, to well, the I know archdiocese because. Previous, yeah. Oh, the first time I went by, I think there was one sign. Right. And then previous elections, uh, you know, Robert, that the, the church is off the parishes. Priests have often come up and they've said you need to vote. It's your civic duty. You make sure you need to vote within your Catholic conscience. But they've never, ever said to vote for a particular candidate or a particular party. Ever. Well, I've never heard that. In I, I, I've never heard that before. Yeah. And like I was saying, I wonder if something did go through the archdiocese because mm-hmm. the, the one time the first couple of times i drove by there was the, the one sign and then there was a second sign and then there was a third sign and they were all there for a couple of weeks right and then uh, i think that was when i was going to bring it up we were going to talk about it on the show and then i'm driving by and the next thing you know, half of the signs were gone oh so i'm maybe. wondering if someone maybe said something and it got back half Half the they well, all half, so, 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 half two, two third. There were three signs overnight, two of them disappeared. So, one was still on there, though. and one was still on it. But the one that was still on there was between the sidewalk and the road, so it was on the boulevard. So, you oh, can okay. kind of yeah, say yeah, it's yeah. not a hundred percent, but it's still in front of the rectory. And the rectory had had a sign of the same person before. Um, but like you said, it, it is the, in the priests, it is their role even from the pulpit to say it is your civic duty because it is our civic duty to go out and vote according to our duly formed Catholic conscience. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and after that, and I think that's father's prerogative to remind us of that. 
But after that, what we do in the voters box is between us, the ballot and God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And that's just a decision that we have to make with our own conscience. Now, when we were talking about this earlier, and we were going to bring up on the show, uh, I went through the catechism, uh, and I pulled this up, and just very quickly. So the catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph Mm twenty four forty two, and I'm just going to read the first the first line. Now, it is not the role of the pastors of the church to intervene directly in the political structuring and organization of social life. And I think it comes down to that notion of it's not their role to intervene directly to say yeah. who, who who to vote for. Well, uh, when when is that written, Robert? Because I remember there was a big thing from Pope John Paul II, and I want to say 40 years ago, where a number of Catholic politicians, especially in the U.S., but here in Canada as well, where they were running for office. And then I believe he ban them from running for office correct me if i'm wrong on that i I, I, I really i really don't know and yeah i i I don't know and i don't so i'm not going to comment we 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 do have a catholic priest as as elected officials here in 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 oh that the catholic priests the catholic priests themselves were running i don't even i don't even remember that either yeah i remember them as a one in particular as an elected official and i remember that there was a big statement I could be corrected from listeners calling in, but I remember, and I think they were um, forbidden to run as a as a priest for an uh, elected position. On that, I have no clue. Now, the catechism yeah. I just quoted from would have been the catechism that was created under the direction of St. John Paul II. Yeah, 1992 or... Nine, or like was it 82? I can't no, remember. No, 92 is made. Yeah, I think it was a little bit yeah. later. Yeah, but I think he made a statement before that. But anyhow, so yeah, I, yeah, I don't like, I, I wouldn't like to drive by my church and see, and, and then I'm not vote. I had another candidate in mind and I'm not voting for the candidate. And I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, oh, I just, wish I could, you know, it just didn't, it just seemed very, very odd to me. Yeah. I don't think and I've ever seen that. N- neither have I, Driving neither have church. I, no, no, I have seen, and I, we're just going to maybe end this section on that, but I yeah. have seen and heard one of my own pastors previously not my current pastor, but previous pastors making not so candid political comments from the pulpit. And it caused them a lot of grief. It caused a lot of grief for the Cardinal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was a lot of antagonism and and I'm not going to go into it any more detail than that. Um, And it really tore the parish and really, no, it Mm -hmm. tore the parish apart. Yeah. Yeah, you can't say it more blatantly that it literally tore the parish apart Mm. to the Mm. point where we're still recovering. That's too bad. Right. Give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's. But we move on. But listen, I'm looking at the time here, buddy, and we wanted to introduce a a new segment. We spent so much time talking about the smells and bells and music and language, which is. Fabulous conversation. I don't think I'm going to be able to cut any of that out. No. But we wanted to introduce a new segment for when it's just the two of us. Right. And now I want to start singing that song too, you know, just the, the two of us. It's just the two of us. We could make it if you try. And just what, the two of us. What, what, and what was you the saint I. with castles in the sky, the, the interior <laughs> castle? Um, oh, yeah. St. 
Teresa Vavala, is it? I believe yeah. so, yes, Dean. So, but we're not here to, to build castles, whether interiorly or at the beach, sand castles. We're here to stomp the chump. Yeah, we We've got to, to change about... that title of that. Yeah, I, I want that to was call... from a radio show in Toronto. They used to have a, something where they would stump the chump. They would try to fool the guest or somehow stump them with the trivia question or something. Not that I'm calling you a chump, Robert, by any means. You've called you've called me worse. Well, we'll see how but you we do won't these put next that on two. Here. We'll see how these do with the next two words. You're going to tell us about this next uh, segment that we're going to introduce. Yeah. So the the segment came to mind actually was a couple weeks ago. Again, you and I were talking at school and our former chaplain uh, who just re-retired, who is a deacon within the church. And it was his last day. And I mentioned to you in passing, we need to make sure that Deacon Dominic doesn't forget Mm -hmm. his Dalmatic. And you kind of looked at me and kind of said, pardon, pardon. <laughs> I didn't know he brought his dog to school. When did he get a Dalmatian? I, right? I, I didn't say that. You're going to think for the listeners, I got to like, what the heck was going so, on? Yes. And so the, the Dalmatic is the outer vestment of the deacon where the priest wears a chasuble. And I was teaching this to my RCAA class last night where the, the priest will wear a chasuble, which is kind of like a poncho. It's like a big yeah. circular poncho. There's no sleeves. The deacon wears a dalmatic, which is kind of like an, a way oversized t-shirt in many ways. So it looks okay. like the chasuble, but it actually does have sleeves. It isn't a T-form and it has sleeves. And the piping on it will take the form of an H as opposed to an inverted Y, almost like a peace sign. And it was in that conversation about explaining what a Dalmatic is, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of Catholic obscurities. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Catholic vocabulary out there that, you know, Dennis and Robert in the pew really don't have much idea about. Uh, again, talking about my RCA class when we were going through the church last night, I, a few times I said to him, yeah, I'm a bit of a geek for this kind of stuff. Absolutely. And, and you, well, you're, so now you're calling me a geek. No, but uh, throughout the years, Robert, you've just thrown words at me. I'm like, what is that word? So this is actually the perfect way to close the... What, what, uh, what was the comment I made last night at the RCIA? You know, I have to be careful. I'm not exactly a Catholic Wikipedia. One guy pipes up, no, but you're pretty close. Like, oh. Yeah. But you so now, now like you're going to put words. me on the spot. So this no, is going to be the, 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 the segment where you've done a little bit of research and right. a little so bit of we're homework. Gonna... We're going to start with two and we'll, we'll start see me how off it goes. slow though. Let we're going to start you back. off with an easy one. I think, you know, one that I even knew, right. The second one, I, I kind of might've heard it in passing. You probably, you, you'll probably get it, but we're going to start. And then we're, uh, no, you know, the we'll get harder not. over the weeks. The pressure. Um, so do we get, yeah. So what happens? Should we give like, so, okay. Beer what, or what, something what, if you win or. Uh, just the, the bragging rights. Bragging I think it's good okay. enough. Yeah. And you're probably going to have to, help me with the pronunciation for the second so for the first one like i said earlier on before we went on air i found three different versions so the first version the first sorry the the three different versions three different sayings or or proper pronunciations of this actual word i was pronouncing it one way but it it, so the american uh because it said american pronunciation american this is now that now that i've offended like half of our listeners yeah so this is it was Vaticum, but then I also heard it pronounced Viaticum, but then I looked at it phonetically and it said Viaticum. So whichever way you want to say that, the, Robert, the, the, the Latin would be closer to the last one, Viaticum. Viaticum. That's what I, I thought. I, I've yes. always pronounced it via, um, Viaticum. Viaticum. And I was surprised. Viaticum. 
And I was surprised to see, yeah, viaticum. Yeah, I was surprised to see vaticum. That's so I heard the lady say the word vaticum, and I'm like, she forgot a syllable. She left, the, she, left the, she left the eye right out of she it. She left the eye right out. So I think you're smiling, you're comfortable with this. I think you're going to give me this one here. Robert. Yeah, no, this one, I would think maybe even a lot of our listeners would even know what right. viaticum or viaticum is. I say viaticum, and that just comes from using French all the time. That's right. how you would pronounce the letter I. I think that's the way we'll go with the viaticum. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the first part of that via or journey or road mm-hmm. and then whom uh or if you look at the more latinate languages i would believe like for example in portuguese com is to mm-hmm. eat okay. so it's something to eat for the road it's mm. food for the journey well i didn't right. even expect a little history lesson i <laughs> love it yes so, so you're it, gonna tell us exactly here it's, food it, for the it, journey. It, that's what it said in the thing food for the journey Isn't it's food beautiful? for the journey and, and it's so food for the final journey the final it's journey food for the final journey and it's one of those things that in hindsight not that i beat myself up over it but i i regret that maybe my my father didn't get because when my father received uh anointing of the sick the his last rites the day before he passed away uh father michael who came for the sacrament asked is your dad able to swallow so that he could receive the eucharist and at that point, my dad really couldn't swallow. He couldn't drink water or, or definitely not eat anything solid. And so that's one of those things, I think, that even if it was just a little piece of viaticum, just to help him for the journey. So like we said, it's food for the final journey. Right. And it's, so it's receiving Eucharist on one's deathbed. Thank you. Right. Excellent. Well put. So Let's, full marks for that. I'm going to give you a 10 out of 10 in that. Robert. Maybe I let's, should have taken the beers for the right answers. Let's, let's see how we do on this last one here. And I probably miss, correct me if I'm mispronouncing this one here. Are you ready for the final one? Well, I just want, well, before I get the final one, if I get this right and there's a free beer on the line, is it going to be one of those pumpkin pie ales no but it's going Thank to be you. a it's going to be a smaller than 330 mil. <laughs> it's, it's going to be a real baby beer do you think do they make a 250 mil beer Robert? okay here we Probably. go and you you're going to have an interesting story about this one if, if you do get it right i'm going to aspergillum oh yeah <laughs> and you've got a story to tell us. Do I have a story? About- yes, I do have a story about an aspergillum. <laughs> you got it. You got I a do have a story, story about aspergillum. So, so aspergillum, th- I looked up and I'm like, Robert knows about the aspergillum. I know so, about the aspergillum or the is that pr- proper pronunciation there. I yep. think so. I've never really looked up how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the um, it's the Catholic super soaker. Oh, Robert, <laughs> sorry, well excuse put. me, like at the end of the beer. Uh, so no, the aspergillum um, is kind of the, if you want to say the the wand or the stick that father uses to sprinkle holy water. Okay. And I'll right? just read so it. Father or the deacon. Uh, you know, I don't know what the, the bucket is called. I'm sure the bucket has a proper name. If you'd come out with that one, you would have gotten me because I don't Robert, know what the name for the bucket is. Very so impressive. And I've got it right in front of me here. If you've attended the Easter vigil, you remember that the priest walked down the aisle, sprinkling everyone with holy water. He held a type of sprinkler, probably a metallic rod with a round tip, waving it over the heads of worshipers and sprinkling water. That, my friends, was of an aspergillum. The same vessel he used as other times as well to bless the palm fronds on Palm Sunday and to bless candles at Candlemas. The priest may also use an aspergillum at a baptism or for other ceremonial purposes, such as blessing the entrance of a house during a house blessing. Well done, Robert. Yeah. Two for two. So my story on that 
Careful of the story now. Mention no names. I, I will not mention any names I, or, and I won't mention any places. Uh, oh. I was visiting a parish and I have to be careful because uh, I know of another podcaster on their podcast that spoke about this parish one time. Uh, and I sent him a private message and said, was that such and such a place? And he's like, I didn't mention any names. I said, yeah, yeah don't but, give... but, but you both you and I know where it was. Exactly. Uh, and let's I won't mention this... even the podcast because no, uh, let's keep this esoteric here. Keep going. Yeah. Yes. So I was one Easter Sunday visiting a parish and was there for the Easter Sunday morning mass. And it was time for the rite of sprinkling. And the priest made some kind of comment that, you know, he, his arm wasn't working at a sore arm, whatever, whatever. Can we please have the confirmation candidates that are here today come forward i'm going to get you to sprinkle the congregation with holy water and you could see the look on these kids faces kind of going like we're supposed to do what and so he's now come up so he gets these 12 year old kids well, i don't think up into the this, sanctuary this previous part and so he gets these kids up into the sanctuary and he gives them all a bucket of holy water and, a, and an aspergillium and he says, you know, I want you to go out and sprinkle the congregation with holy water. Get your parents real good. I want you to soak so-and-so in the front aisle, in the front pew. And they're kind of going, okay. So then you, they're starting to catch on and they're thinking, yeah, this is going to be great fun. And so the, the choir starts up. The kids go out to sprinkle the congregation with holy water. And father yells, water fight. Not a word of a lie. That's, I can't believe it. And I was just like, ah, ah. The, the Holy's uh, taken away from that, uh, that mass. It's, yeah, out of here. Oh. So, I mean, that that's my aspergillium story. It's one of those, it, it's so out there and so outlandish. It's funny, but it's not funny. No, yeah. Right? Like, if you get of, what I'm saying, like, you look yeah. at it and you go like, all you can do is laugh, but it's laughter of disbelief. It's right. It's surreal. It's like, did this really happen? Yeah. Did yeah. This just, yeah this, did he just say water fight? Yeah. That's so, uh, yeah. But anyhow, we won't yeah. dwell on that because it's a one-off. So two, two, two for two. Now you've got two another month to, to come up with something else. Yeah. Uh, and again, you don't let me know ahead of time. So no. but that, that oh, was fun. Sorry, I forgot to preface that. We did not have a discussion. We just had a discussion. I told him I'd probably give him an easier one at the beginning and then a more difficult one. But he had no idea of what I was no. talking about or what century I was coming from, which I will go back. I never know centuries. what century you're coming from. But that's 20, a, that's a whole other <laughs> 20, 21st. Buck Rogers it? in the 25th century. We are, we are in the 21st. Shout outs, Robert. Shout outs. I, I wanted to shout out today to the RCI group at my parish. Nice. Uh, I'm Very helping nice. out once a month. There's some other volunteers that are helping father out and fathers doing what. So it's kind of where, you know, once a month, there's different people helping out. We have three catechumens this year in our parish. Um, Three wonderful people from three very different walks of, nice. of life. But I wanted to give a shout out to them uh, because I, I was just floored yesterday and amazed. The thirst to know about the faith in these three people. Wow. And the questions that they are asking and their desire to know 
not necessarily the the doctrinal ins and yeah. outs, but their their desire to know about the spirituality of the faith, uh, how to grow closer to Christ through the faith, and just the different things that people do. And it's amazing like they some of the observations that they make. Well, we see people doing this. What is that all about? Wow. When when you light the candles here in the the church, mm-hmm. right? Why are you lighting them? What is your prayer like? What kind of prayers do you say? Right? They, they're just they're at thirst to to really know the Catholic faith. And as I'm going through this, I think it uh, it's great for myself to be teaching the RCIA. This is the first time I've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm learning about the faith that I'm bringing to these people, seeing these people, their their joy and their excitement. It's inspiring. And to be quite honest, I think every Catholic adult once in their life should go through the RCIA program. Mm. Just to get, because a That's lot of us growing point. up as cradle Catholics just don't have that foundation. No, they don't. Right. Wow. When you talk about your, your RCIA candidates, it, it, it uh, really lends itself to the old adage. Uh, Catholics make the converts, make the best Catholics for bear because they're hungry for the faith. And we grow up, we get a little bit lax sometimes in the faith. And, and we've had that conversation. Uh, yeah. I don't know many times. So, yeah, no, so, so shout out to, to those three they're, they're I'm really finding them inspiring. Right. Do you yourself have any shows? You know what? I had one, and I probably didn't do it. I don't think I've done it before, Robert, so I'm just going to put it out there. You've probably done it before. I just want to give a shout-out to my wife, Paula. We're going to, coming up in a few months into the new year, we're celebrating our 25th, and I just want to say shout-out. You, you know that with Ellie. I mean, mm. without without our two wives, uh, she's the glue of the family, you know, my wife, the, the mother of our kids, and she's still nursing. She hurt her ankle a couple of weeks ago. She's still going into her overnight shifts and doing her bit, you know, during this time when a, when a lot of nurses are leaving the profession and retiring and she's still slugging away. So I'm lucky to have her in my life. And I just wanted to give her a quick shout out. God bless Paula. As you could do the same thing with oh, Ellie and you're buying your strawberries. For sure. I don't and... know how many times I say that. I, I maybe that's when I'm just going to ask our listeners, please pray for our, our wives. Please Absolutely. pray for Paula and for Ellie. Uh, number one, because they have to put up with the two of us. Oh, my Lord. But n- number two, two, just the inspiration that they bring mm-hmm. uh, and the support and prayer that they bring into mm-hmm. our lives that allows us to do things like the Pints and Pews podcast. We're so lucky to have, to be able to do We're this with so supporting blessed. wives. And so just a side, of course, I don't know if the listeners, you know, Paula isn't Catholic, right? She's brought up in the Anglican faith, but certainly supports me in our, you know, podcast here and, and and certainly raise the kids in the catholic faith so all good well thank you paula and god bless paula thinking about the podcast here sir uh dennis uh, as always the time seems to have flown by i think we've almost met the the oh. deacon pedro record for time chatting no, pro- away here i think you're probably going to yell at me but i would love to have another pumpkin pie ale that yeah, was, i am you, gonna i am gonna yell at you you know what and i'm just gonna read that back for our listeners this full-bodied amber ale has both notes of pumpkin, brown sugar, and spices. Perfect to enjoy as a dessert beer with rip, with whipped cream on top. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> I thought I'd throw that. With dark chocolate or strong cheeses. Enjoy. I enjoyed that. That was so good. Very good. And Sorry, I thoroughly right enjoyed my Unica, even though it was a baby beer. Yeah. And I only got through the one. I had brought it back up in case I needed a, a second one to make it through. But Are I you slipping in the old age? 250 yeah. Can we give a... Can we give a number? I was to talking that? too much. No, I but I want to give much. I want to give a uh that's a cup 
for our American listeners, what would that be in terms of ounces, Robert? So they know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just over a, a fluid cup because a cup is 250 milliliters. So oh, it, would be, it? Okay, yeah. it would be about uh, two thirds of a, of a cup. No, it's sorry, about eight, a cup, eight and a half ounces. Sorry, so a cup, I'll just cup, tell you. A cup and a quarter. Yeah, eight and a half ounces he drank a beer, which a pint is probably 16. 16. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a little, it's just a little over half a pint. So he's slipping in his old age, but that's okay. He's getting up there. So, but the, t- the time has flown by. And obviously, because it was a baby beer, my glass now is empty. Always a pleasure, Robert. Both the pint and the conversation tonight. We talked about a lot of various topics. Always good ones with yourself. Especially for me, the half pint and for you, your, your pint. Yes, actually not. 473 mils, so just under a pint. <laughs> yes, but always a pleasure to talk about our Catholic faith as well. Very true and very true. And just before we wrap up here, Dennis, perhaps there's just one small favor we could ask of our listeners. If you could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review. And while you're at it, can you please give us a like on Facebook and drop us a line there or at pintsandpews at gmail.com. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners. We'll chat again soon, mate. God willing. And until then, can you remind our listeners of the wise words of G.K. Chesterton? In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless. <laughs>